it quickly. It's a draw! It's a draw! And then she gets it back! Oh, you're kidding me! And the Sunshine Coast Lightning have achieved the unthinkable. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of The Inner Circle, where we will be chatting all things netball. Sherelle McMahon with you as is netball legend and reality TV superstar Bianca Chatfield. <laughs> Bea, this is exciting. We've all got our very own space to, to chat about netball. I know, and we're doing it in a public way because you and I would have conversations about the sport in so many different ways and talk about the issues all the time, but we've probably never done it in this way. No, so I think right. all of our listeners watch out because there'll be some heavily debated topics. No doubt, no, <laughs> no doubt. One um, shooter, one defender. We it. don't always agree on It does things. get a bit tense. I've got to say, particularly when you call me a princess, but we'll get to that maybe another day. But what a start we've had to the Suncorp Super Netball season this year. We're a couple of games in and already we're starting to see the ladder take shape in a way that perhaps we weren't really expecting. I was not expecting to see New South Wales Swifts playing as well as they have been. You know, they spoke up a really big game at the end of the season last year where they were like, we need to make finals and we won't accept anything else. And I interviewed Maddie Proud uh, their captain, and she was just not backing down on that. Mm. At the start of the season, they're like, we're going to put all the pressure on ourselves because we think we can take it. And I just watch them play now, and you can see they've got so much confidence, and it's a team that seem to be all just playing for each other, which is what you want, don't you? As yeah, a captain of definitely. that club, you would want them to all be playing together, and they've been a real surprise packet for me. Yeah, they are really well drilled, and it possibly comes back to the fact that they didn't have many changes in the off-season. They're sitting undefeated just below the Melbourne Vixens on uh, points, bonus points, with the amount of quarters won. But the other surprise for me were, uh, has been the West Coast Fever, who are sitting oh, totally. on the bottom of the ladder after being in the grand final last year. It was such a celebrated season for them last year. They were almost untouchable last year and just a couple of changes to their personnel. I actually never thought a team with Janelle Fowler could probably, you know, be going as badly as what they are. Like, I just thought she is a powerhouse. She is so hard to stop. But it just shows defensively what teams are doing against her mm. now. You know, if the goal attack's not playing a pivotal role, if they're not taking defenders out of the way, as you would know as a goal attack, you had to play that role sometimes. But, you know, it's just putting all the attention on Janelle and the defenders are just getting every ball that's going in there. Yeah, and I, I think sometimes people look at those tall holding shooters and go, oh, it's such an easy game. You just throw the ball up <laughs> in their general vicinity and they pull it in. Well, that's not true. And it does actually show you the skill that is involved in that. Um, and I think that that will start clicking and we'll see them kind of getting into gear yeah. um, against the Melbourne Vixens. Full <laughs> disclosure here, as an um, assistant coach with the Melbourne Vixens, we're heading over to Perth this weekend and it is always a danger game because they can score quickly and heavily. So talk to me about your new role as assistant <laughs> coach, sitting on the bench in probably an unfamiliar position to mm. you. Was it a tough decision to go, yep, I'm going to go down the coaching route and have a go at this? It was a really tough decision. I've been involved in the broadcasting commentary side of things for about 10 years now. So I was doing it before I retired while I was still playing and I absolutely love it. And I love the direction that Channel 9 is taking the sport. I think it's been really exciting to see how they're continuing to bring the game um, to life and 
Yeah, but I just thought this was an opportunity that came up with the Melbourne Vixens um, to just expand my knowledge base to get a different look on things. And, you know, high performance for me has something that I've always been really passionate about yeah. and it just gives me another kind of angle on that. And sitting next to Simone McInnes <laughs> on the bench is uh, quite colourful and interesting, B. How do you go, though, when you've got a, you know, you see a player who's just not doing what you want her to do and whether it, she's ignoring you or she doesn't understand <laughs> it, do you have moments where you're just so frustrated and you're just like, just go, I'll show you how to do it. <laughs> I don't do much of that anymore. I did get on the court uh, momentarily at a training session the other week and I think the girls are like, okay, you've had enough, off you get, get off. But, um, but that is one of the challenges of, of coaching. I mean, you know, from a commentary perspective, you, you give your opinion and, and it goes out there and it kind of doesn't have a huge impact beyond that. Um, but, of course, as a coach, that's, that's a very different thing. You're trying to help shape um, the team and the group and – um, I'm very lucky with the athletes that I'm working with. They're <laughs> super, super athletes. Some of them were my teammates too, which is an interesting kind of uh, flip from going from, from that relationship to a coach-athlete relationship, but I've really enjoyed it. Now, one segment that I want to do on this podcast is that each week we bring some burning questions to the table. Yes. So I'm going to start it off. Do we need a match review panel, Sherelle? I don't know that that would be the exact way I would shape it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a little bit of experience in this space sitting on the match review panel for the inaugural season of the AFLW. Yes, people wouldn't realise this. No. So what was your role? So each week uh, we there was a group of us, so each week we would review the games and cite whether there was instances or any incidences that we wanted to have a closer look at. So mm-hmm. we got together as a group. Uh, and looked at that and decided whether or not a sanction needed to be applied to that. Um, of course, that's changed now in the AFL. So there's just a match review officer, which I think is probably, it's, you know, it's a bit more streamlined. Yeah. Um, I I think that there is space in netball to have people looking at the game from an independent perspective at the moment. It's up to the athlete or the club to put in a complaint whether when they see something. Okay, that so has that's happened. the process. That's the process at the moment. So, um, I think that I think that there's it's potentially time to have that conversation around having someone independent look at the games. There, there might be someone or a group of people who look at that. I don't think they'd be very busy. They be <laughs> like I, I look at so you know we, we bring this up because there was uh, Nat Medhurst had her lip split open by a bit of an errant elbow um, from Tara Hinchliffe. Um, in the Magpies match against the Firebirds and Courtney Bruce had her space taken out from her and has resulted in that elbow injury that's kept her out for a while. But even those those things that have happened, I I mean, I don't think they would be worth rubbing someone out for. No, but wasn't it interesting on that that Nat Medhurst was the one that started the conversation. So she put the incident on Twitter and made a comment about, you know, if this was the AFL, how many weeks would Tara get? And I enjoyed that from Nat and it was a bit of banter. I replied and (laughs) said something, did her hair flicker in the face or... (laughs) Uh, How did that go down? Well, you know, it looked like a beauty uh, treatment gone wrong actually for a while with the band-aid on the upper lip. But you know, I thought I liked that she brought that conversation to the table because you know I think you could come back with so many incidents where when you were playing for Australia and say the New Zealand girls would you know they would. They knew the only way to beat you was to rough you up and was to try and injure you to slow you down. Like, and I used to watch it all the time from the other end of the court. But 
there were some of those times where you would go flying onto the ground where you think, hang on a minute, that's not right. This is a non-contact sport, although I'm surely we're rephrasing that now. Um, There's a lot of those times that that happens and we're seeing it more and more in super netball. Would it make players more accountable if they knew there was more potential to be, whether it be fined or be suspended for their actions? I think it would. I think it would make them more accountable to that. And, you know, it's a challenging thing. I mean, as, as an extension of that, we've had the umpires come and speak to all of the teams pre this season and talk about the landing space. So in netball, when you take the ball, defensively you must give them space to land on the court yeah and that's a tricky one because (laughs) these are very athletic strong girls jumping into a space and sometimes you're inadvertently there but that is contact on the player without the ball Mm. but sometimes that movement under the player taking the ball can become dangerous and we're seeing as the players get more and more athletic and and strong and dynamic, that that is happening. So the umpires put the clubs and the teams on notice that they would be looking very, very closely at that and if they deemed it to be dangerous that they would jump straight to a warning. But... Yeah, maybe. and then a warning, and then send the defender send, off, or send the defender the off is. if it happens again. That they would be then sent off the court. Now, in my head, right? So the one probably situation where I know that I would have caused tunnelling was when I would play on Ramelda Aitken and I would push her to the top of the circle because that's where you want her to be, yes. away from the post. From the post. So she would walk up to the top of the circle, I would go and stand behind her. If her teammates then put a high ball up to her, so I'm behind her, she would jump up in the air and that's when I would often get pulled for it. Mm. Even though half the time I wasn't actually changing position, it was just the fact that I was standing my ground and she decided to jump up Mm. in the air to try and get the ball. A lot of the time it would go over her head and then go over the baseline and then I was doing my job from preventing her, you know, to get access to the post. So I find it a really tricky one. I know that they're, it's a hard one to call anyway, isn't it? It's almost like we need the video review. <laughs> do, you, do you think there's room to go to a video review? Oh, no, no. I, I definitely don't think that. But um, And you're right, and I think it's a really tricky um, call to make for the umpires to, mm. to determine who's coming underneath. But the responsibility is for that player who is defending um, to allow a Land safe space. space. So so that is – I think it's a tricky one for the players and the umpires. You know, we even saw one in the game uh, against Shamira Sterling. She's mm. so athletic and the way she can extend herself over to the ball, she actually took the ball yep. on a rebound um, in the game on the weekend and was called for con- uh, called for contact even though she took possession of the ball. So it, it's, a, it's a really tricky one. And also the interesting point is around all these different players who are playing from all these different countries in Super Netball, everyone's body positioning is different, mm. the way they play. Like we always knew coming up against South Africa, they're quite an unorthodox team in the way they play and the way they move. And so umpires have to get used to that the girls use their bodies differently and it kind of depends on where you've developed your netball game. Um, because I notice that with a lot of the Jamaican girls, they move differently to us. Yeah, they definitely do. And the bottom line is we need our players to be safe out on court. So the umpires are onto it with that safe landing yes. space and perhaps there is space for us to look at someone who is 
is reviewing the games to to hold those athletes so that's accountable. a yes to a match that, review that's panel. a yes that is a big yes to me um have you ever played against someone from uganda you talk about the different styles of play from around the world i don't think i have well we've got one a, a ugandan player uh in the suncorp super netball piece proscovia who is out on court with the sunshine coast lightning and she is a big reason why they are sitting third on the ladder at the moment she is covering the loss of the australian diamonds captain <laughs> caitlin bassett extremely well isn't she amazing to watch she's so good to watch and i listened to her interview with laura guides after the game and is she not the nicest person that we have in super netball like what a story so grateful of the opportunity to play in our game obviously loves being up on the sunshine coast and you know what nolene tarua and what she does with sunshine coast lightning is incredible to watch the her tactical brain that's what i really enjoy and the fact that sunshine coast have lost caitlin bassett jeeva mentor kelsey brown and they still are managing to perform and do really well you just don't know what to expect from them because they are doing a lot better than what we probably all thought yeah and you don't know what to expect because they come from all over the world, there are so many different yeah. countries represented. Is there five? I think there's five different countries. Five different countries, which is <laughs> amazing. And you know, the story of Peace Proskovia is incredible. She comes from a very poor region of Uganda. Her father did not want to allow her to go and pursue her netball dreams, but she defied her father, um, which took her um, through through the the ranks of netball there over to England first of all, and now here. And it is I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because. This is the sort of thing that our sport provides to women yeah. in countries where women don't often get these opportunities. I it's, know. It, it is truly, and if you don't know the story of Peace Proskovia, you need to check her out because it is amazing and talk about a different style and a different way of going about things. That is why defenders are finding it challenging because we, we just don't see. Australians play in the way that she does. No, that's right. And that's what I think makes it exciting about having all of these international players in Suncorp Super Netball. I think from Lisa Alexander's point of view, she probably finds it hard that goal shooter, goalkeeper positions mainly are being taken up by internationals. But when we want this competition to be the best one in the world, we need all the international players. We need more players from Malawi, from Uganda, from England, everywhere. We need them here because they bring such a different style to the game. And I know now just as a fan watching the games, I want to see that. I want to see that they bring this different uh, way to play. You you don't know what to expect. And I think that makes netball far more exciting for me. Mm. One one more burning question. Perhaps we need to just have a little bit of a break, but is um, around the Australian selection. You talk about Mm. um, we've got a World Cup coming up. Got only a couple of weeks before Coach Lisa Alexander actually names that team, which is a tense situation. Is it clear for her, do you think, who she's going to be going with? I, I, I hope it's clear for Lisa and the selectors. The one thing I want them to do is pick on form. Don't pick on players potentially that have been in the the team in the past Uh, just because they've been in the team in the past. I think you need to pick on form. So pick the best players performing right now because we need that. We need the best team to go into the World Cup to try and take on England, New Zealand, Jamaica, Malawi, Uganda, whoever, whoever's going to bring (laughs) it to the table. I think it's really important. Yeah, well, it's an interesting decision for Coach Lisa Alexander and her selectors, no doubt. Um, 
I want to pick the brain of a real netball superstar. She's part of the netball broadcast. She has been a huge part of the netball landscape for many, many years. Her name is Sue Gordian, and we're going to catch up with her after the break. Welcome back to the Inner Circle. Great to have your company. Now, Bianca Chatfield and I are very excited to have one of the big names in netball, big voices certainly, that's for sure. Sue Gordian on the line. Is that fair to say, Sue? Uh, did you say I have a big voice? Yes. That's very kind of you, Cheryl. <laughs> 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 oh, dear Gordian, it's great, great to have voice. Uh, yeah, no, a very distinctive voice. And um, yeah. we've been talking a little bit about the, the start of this season and, and how incredible it is and some of the things that perhaps we weren't expecting to happen early in the season in terms of ladder positioning. How have you seen the start of the season so far? Um, yeah, I think you're on the money, girls. Uh, we, <laughs> we talked up the we talked up the 2019 season to be the closest the closest one so far. Yet it hasn't panned out that way, has it? I guess when you look at the ladder and I guess some of the wins and the losses. But I do think there's some stories behind some of the losses for some of the sides, particularly obviously the fever with injury, firebirds. In, I probably would have backed the firebirds in last weekend against the Lightning. Ironically, I thought at a home ground. Uh, second home game, so to speak, even though it was light and same game, but it was in Brisbane. Uh, but no Gabby Simpson. So I just think injuries is really hurting sides at the moment. Caitlin Bassett's injury leading into the Giants. They've taken a little bit of time to get their mojo. So, um, And I reckon also, too, the sides like the Swiss and the Vixens, I mean, we expect this from them. They're just two sides that are always so clinical early on. The question mark always lies as to whether they can hold true as the season goes on. But, um, yeah, it's, it's the score lines have been a bit, you know, a bit distant at the moment, which is sometimes a bit tough to call in commentary to be playing. <laughs> <honest. laughs> keep it interesting, Gordy. Come on. <laughs> yeah, try, yeah, try and stay on track and keep it interesting. But, um, but yeah, I think I think it'll tighten, and I think what we will see this season that we probably haven't seen as much in the last season is a lot of upsets coming. I think as because the ladder's a bit distinctive at the moment, I think what we'll start to see now is some big upsets. It's going to keep us hooked on right through the end of the season. Now, Gordy, I love your work on Twitter. You are all over it. Walking with Sue every week. I'm really enjoying uh, it. <laughs> I know. It's almost to the point of embarrassing, really, isn't it? No. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's great. Gets us ready for the weekend and what's about to happen. One thing we were talking about before on Twitter is uh, Nat Medhurst talking about a match review panel <laughs> and mm-hmm. her thoughts on that incident. What are your thoughts? Do we need one? Uh, yeah, no, we do. 100% do. And, you know, it's interesting because um, Nat's copped a bit of slack from some people uh, on social media, to be honest with you, around actually putting that out there and drawing attention. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's created a really good discussion for our sport that's probably well needed. So I actually take my hat off to her and I think that, you know, the people that are having a crack probably need to back off a bit. I don't think that's appropriate, but anyhow, each to their own. Ain't that social media? Um, yeah. Yes, we need a match review panel, but I actually do believe that I kind of feel like there's two things that need to happen with our sport at the moment uh, at the same time. So I think that there needs to be... Um, uh, we need to look at the way in which the umpires... Uh, their boundaries in which they umpire the game. I just... My greatest example at the moment is, is that in the last five, six, seven years, our goal circles in terms of the height inside and, and the bulk inside the goal circles just been getting greater and greater every year. And I feel like a lot goes on inside that circle that gets missed. 
Um, and it's in particular from an umpire that's... I mean, imagine standing and trying to get the right position in that goal circle to see everything that goes on. Exactly. Continuously. And the speed at which a lot of the ball now moves to the goal circle due to the tall shooter. I just feel like there's another umpire standing on the other side of the court that's got a bird's eye view that should be able to interact. So, look, I'm far from an umpiring expert, but I feel like the discussion needs to head in that direction. So that's the first thing. That's kind of on game day. I actually do think that the match review panel becomes critical because I think there's a lot happening off the ball that seems to be unnecessary. We don't want the umpires to blow more whistle. That's the, the last thing we want. But I do think the players can be held more accountable by knowing that post game they still could be under review. So I feel like I feel like it's an absolute must for our sport. I think where people are panicking in the discussion that's been held over social media in the last sort of week is more around oh what, you're gonna wipe people out every week. No, <laughs> that's not the case, yeah. I doubt. And yeah. and if we did, well then obviously there's a need for it. But yeah. I think we've got to have something in place there. My gut stems towards something like a card system. Um, so it's not necessarily, you know, you go to the match review panel and you're wiped out next week. I think there's probably got to be... And, and, and putting fines in our sport, the girls aren't paid enough for that. So I wonder whether something like a three-card system uh, or something like that. Like a so strikes. I definitely three strikes yeah, and you're out. Yeah, three strikes, you're out. Or and, and depending on the severity of the incident, you might cop two cards in one week. Who knows? Yeah. You know? So I feel like there's, there's, there's a need for that. I think it brings... I'm a, in 100% greens with Louise Ellis where she said it brings some excitement, whether people like it or not, to our sport early in the week. Yeah. Uh, there's some discussion around it on a Monday, what's happened throughout the week. Uh, and I just think the level at which our game is being played, the speed... Uh, and the professionalism of it, we are a really silly sport if we don't go and put something like this in play, even though the, the governing body claims that we already had something in place. <laughs> well, they do claim that, but it's obviously incumbent on the teams to actually put that complaint in. So that happens very, very rarely. And, you know, I look at it with the AFL and, and even the conjecture with how people see an incident, some say that deserves a week, some say that deserves nothing, and you're right, it would create some discussion um, Mm. and putting some kind of framework around that I think is really important because these girls, uh, these athletes, are putting more and more time in and they are getting stronger, they are getting more physical, and the collisions that they have uh, are getting tougher. A hundred percent, Sherelle, a hundred percent, and I think there's a really interesting point that the general public probably aren't aware of that, you know, the likes of yourself who is, you know, sits inside the Vixens camp and, of course, I have my foot inside the West Coast Fever camp, but that, that might be aware that at the beginning of the season, for the first time in history, uh, the umpires actually sent round some information around what it was that they were going to be viewing and citing heading into the 2019 season. And one of the big ones was what they call tunnelling, where a player takes yes. the space of another player. We were chatting um, about this know. just earlier. Yeah, OK, so there you go. So with that in mind, um, I think it's really it's, it's, in, it's intriguing that the umpires are out there saying, well, this is really important. But the reality of the situation is they might not see it happen all the time. Um, and so I just feel like if we're going to point out elements of the game that uh, are critical, then, you know, a match review panel helps support that message. I don't want like I, I bring up the best example we've got so far this season. For me, I honestly believe in round one, Courtney Bruce's um, incident over Sasha Glasgow. You can tell no two ways about it. Glasgow 
There was no intent in the way she she went in. But the reality of it was that would be deemed tunnelling. She was warned by the umpire immediately. But where I think the club could have gone into a match review panel would have been the outcome of Courtney Bruce. The outcome was that incident has put that kid on the sideline for two weeks so far, possibly three weeks. And that could have a bearing on the season of the club. Mm. For me, that incident deserves the ability to go to the match review panel. Now, whether the outcome of that is positive for the club or not, I don't know. But I reckon that is a prime example of why a match review panel should exist. That's right. And and I think with the match review panel in other leagues, it is about behaviour modification. That's what it's about. So if you've got Correct. A, a player who has a tendency to do this, it's it's about educating the players as to why that's dangerous and to why we want it out of the game. And, you know, then as coaches, we can look at ways of coaching them differently to avoid those yeah. situations because we don't want the, the captain of the West Coast Fever and an Australian Diamonds player on the sidelines. We don't want. No, we want the athletes out there. We want them out there, and we want to do everything yes. we can to create uh, a safe environment for you. Now, that that's obviously one of the talking points. What as you come into this season, um, you know, there's always a lot of talking about um, wake up netball. It's one of the the things that you've been putting out there about getting bums on seats and eyes on the TV. Mm. Is that a big? Is that the biggest challenge for netball? Oh, gee, I think we've all got a few challenges to be honest. Yeah, come on, lay it on us. Well, well, no, I do. I look, I do think that is a challenge. But, I, but look, I think the first, like, I, I take a step back. I reckon the first challenge Netball's got is to, and and uh, if we go back to Bryony Akel's article that uh, the New South Wales Swiss coach wrote an article a few weeks back where she laid it on the line and said that Netball needs to stand strong and hold its head high and be proud of, of who it is, where it is and why it is, number one. And I felt like over the last two years, when other female sports have started to emerge, Netball, I, I think as a sport, we've been really comfortable just to rub shoulders. I don't understand why we wanted to rub shoulders. I don't understand why we didn't stand out and say, well, you know, we, we should have been branding ourselves as, well, good on you, try and catch up. Yeah. You know, like we've been here forever and a day. And I just feel like that we needed to have a stronger presence. So I feel like now, now we're only just starting to realise that when we should have been doing it two years ago and all of a sudden, and I feel like off the back of that article and full credit to Bryony, that, you know, Netball Australia have started to come out with some stronger messages and, and you know, all of a sudden everyone's starting to go, oh, hold on a second, maybe we, we should be sending out the fact that, you know, we are the leading female sport in this country. We've been doing this for a long time. Our pathways far exceed those of other sports. You know, our players are probably of the most elite professional standard in terms of the way they go about their business, etc. Yeah, you know, blah, 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 blah. So <laughs> I, just sort of, I just sort of think that that's the biggest issue to begin with. Had we been up there and selling ourselves for that, I reckon, you know, that then kind of relates into the whole wake-up netball, you know, can we get people to the games? Do we get people buying in? I just think we've got to be far greater at selling ourselves yeah, as a, the best. It's a kind of is culture what? and mindset, isn't yeah, it, that we've definitely. kind of had for for many years that we don't want to put ourselves out there. But we're we too need nice. To. We're way too nice. Yeah. And B, while we're having this discussion, what was it what was it that you and I were talking about and you made that comment and said, I'm probably throwing you under the bus. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> off, off air conversations. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, 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 where you said, why why doesn't Nipple have an advert out with a slogan that says, 
you remember what it was? Yeah, I was saying, so with AFLW, obviously our players are going to AFLW. We are the fittest athletes. We're the strongest athletes. They need our athletes and that's why they're <laughs> taking them. Yeah. And I think we should have fun with that. We should, rather than be feel threatened by AFLW, we should come out and go, well, you need our players. Like you're taking our players. Like we're the better sport. We're the superior sport. We've had so much more time put into our sport. Yes, AFLW will get there, but without our girls, they're not going to yes. have enough mm. fit athletic I, talent to fill the teams. Hundred percent agree with that. That's what that that for me is where I would love to see netball pitching itself and branding itself and and backing itself. You know, like I think that's that that would be absolutely just gold for the sport. And then you know, show some arrogance about yourself, and then like I say, then it kind of links into. This whole wake up netball, and yeah, certainly Sherelle, I think you know one of the issues is still making sure that our our broadcast numbers are increasing, which has been the case so far this year, but probably nowhere near the rate that we want it to. Mm. But as long as it's trending in the right direction, the sport can hold its head high. Mm. Um, and you know, bums on seats for the best part. Our stadiums are you know looking good and feeling, but we we want sellouts. We want to increase membership numbers. Yeah. And so that's where clubs have such an amazing job to try and develop the best possible membership package to really try to bring play- people to the game, you know. So there's so much room for growth. Like, there's so much room for growth. But, you know, Wake Up Nepal, it's done its it's done its little bit, I think, in 2018. I'm not sure if I'm still on it. 2019, it's, I was exhausted at the end of it. <laughs> You're doing an incredible job, though, Gordy, just pushing all those messages out to not just the netball public. It's about getting it out to everybody else as well. Um, one of the things we were talking about before that I think um, is a great thing about Super Netball is all of the imports that we attract to the competition and the flair and the athleticism that they add to the game. If you were Lisa Alexander, how would you be feeling at the moment about all the international players and how they're going? Yeah, really good question, isn't it? Because until you're in the shoes of the Australian coach, uh, <laughs> you're probably the only one that, you know, like everybody else can, you know, I rave about our the world's best netball competition. I rave about the 21 or 23 international athletes we have playing in it. Um, so, yeah, very, very tough shoes um, <laughs> to be in. There's pros and cons. And it just depends which way you want to do it. I've always, like from a coaching perspective, I've always, I've always put myself as a coach to say, you know what, you just deal with the hand you dealt, yeah. right? Because if you start worrying about all the other, like obviously what you can and what you can't control, Lisa Alexander still has a great hand that she's been dealt. And we'll always, the Australian coach will always have a terrific hand. We've got the best competition. Our Australian Netball League is a, a, a terrific standard. Um, the depth in our pathways are always there. Yes, it is tough that maybe all the internationals are starting to consume the, the circle positions, particularly goal shooter or goal attack, and, and possibly uh, the, new, the new commission, the new Suncorp Super Netball Commission, will need to, to have a red-hot think about the future of the competition, not necessarily to detract the number of internationals in it, but to maybe address some of that high-performance issue for our sport. But... I still think that Lisa Alexander at this point in time is placed with a really good side with a terrific high-performance program and I'm still backing in Australia to win the World Cup in Liverpool this year. Right, so there you go. Big call. Gordy, you think she'll be able to put the, the right team together to get that done? 
Well, I don't know if she'll put the right team together. I hope she does. But <laughs> Who's I your team, Gordy? Do you have, have it? <laughs> we have the team. You know what, Bianca? I actually can't call the team at the moment. I'm struggling. Um, <laughs> well, and also the injuries, like with Courtney Bruce, Caitlin yeah. Bassett, Gabby Simpson, like a lot of the Correct. you know experienced players are not fit at the moment. Have you got any yeah. locks? Uh, oh, I'll take. There's two things. All right, let's get number one. <laughs> one of the things. One of the things that people that the, the general public sometimes get a little bit hung up on is, oh, this kid's having a terrific season in Suncorp Super Netball. They should automatically be selected. The reality, as you girls know well better than I do, is that experience at international level and big events accounts for a lot. Yeah. Right, so. To take someone that's in unbelievable form that maybe hasn't had the experience at a World Cup to play off in a you know in a grand final to win number one in the world, there is it's not a risk to take that player, but you have to have some thought around it. So they've got to fit in with a side that has enough experience. So mapping a side together for the Australian selectors has a lot more to it than just form. And Lisa Alexander has stated that for some time. That said, though, Paige Hadley, for my liking, is in blistering She has been outstanding this Outstanding. And you know what? Here's where, and this is why, Bianca, I'm a bit unsure about my side. Here's why. Because there's always great talk about the fact that there needs to, every player's got to be able to play more than the one position. We need flexibility in our players. This is the slogan, except for if you Caitlin Bassett, you sit at goal shooter. Um, you know, the slogan is, is that you've got to be a versatile athlete to play for the Australian Diamond. Paige Hadley, for my liking, whilst she's always been able to flip into the centre position, has predominantly played that wing attack role. I'll tell you now, her centre game this year, and in particular the defence she brings in her centre game, extraordinary. Mm. My eyes are on that kid for the Australian Diamonds, and that is not that she hasn't been there before, so we know that she's had some experience at international level, but that means you, you know, you're taking someone at the probably the extent of you know one of the big names. So I just think they've got a big job in making the decision uh, around who they take there. I don't think... I reckon there's three or four guarantees and that's it at the moment, well, to be honest with you. It is going to be tough. As you say, Lisa Alexander has got an amazing high-performance program there, but it doesn't mean it makes selections any easier, but uh, I'm mm. kind of glad it's her making those decisions. Um, Gordy, we could <laughs> continue talking to you for hours. Maybe we'll have to get you back another time at another podcast, oh. but um, we really appreciate you giving us your time and your insights into how things are tracking along, and uh, I'll see you in Perth on the weekend. Oh, Sherelle, you're coming over to the West <laughs> oh. to have the top of the ladder team over here for class sakes with the fever on the bottom. Good on you. <laughs> is, is, is Courtney Bruce playing? Yes. <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> Wednesday. We'll tell you Friday. Wednesday. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Just put your, put your coach's hat Wednesday firmly on there, Gordy. Uh, okay. Hey? Yeah. Put your coach's hat firmly on there. Just play it. taking it day by day. <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. <laughs> uh, good on you, Gordy. Thanks so much for joining Thanks, us. Girls. Sue Gordy and there joining us. And wasn't it great to get some of her insights? She is one of the big thinkers in netball. She likes to think outside the square and just come at things from a slightly different angle. Yeah, and I just like that she's so passionate about it too. So whether whatever she says, whether it's positive or negative about the sport, it comes from a place of just absolute passion to want our sport to be the best in the world. And I love that about her. And I love that she stirs up conversation 
conversations, whether it be on social media or in the commentary, that others are too scared to have because they're too worried about what other people are going to think. And I think we need drivers like her in our sport. Definitely. And and I think you, you'll be doing that as we go on in our podcast for the rest <laughs> you, of this season. What do you mean? Because I just, <laughs> I just uh, say what I think. <laughs> but it's great. This has been really fun having this uh, chat with you today, B. It's great to see you back on the sidelines, back in the netball commentary and broadcast. I love seeing you back there. You kind of drifted away for a little bit. You I went did. on the block. <laughs> yeah, reality TV to... took over. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing. We did love you uh, watching you on that. But great to chat. And I cannot wait. There's going to be some big games this weekend. Um, the Swifts against the Sunshine Coast Lightning for me is a massive one. Let's see if the Swifts can hold up against Ooh, the, yes. the the premiership winners from last season. And a big one, I think, for Fever too. Because if they can stand up to the Vixens, then it will show that you know not all is lost this season. But if the Vixens smash them over in Perth, then I really worry for that team whether they can come back. Yeah, big game ahead for a couple of teams this round. So that's it for the first episode of The Inner Circle. It's been fun, Bianca. It has been great. Loved it. And we're going to do this every single week, talking about all the hot topics in netball, and I'll have plenty of burning questions to throw your way, Sherelle. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. See you next week. See you next week.